what's going on, E-Wang Bangers? Thanks for tuning in for the fourth episode of the E-Wang Bang Podcast, Everyday Commentary by Everyday People. This is your host, Emil Wang, and I'm joined once again by my very good friend, action star, sci-fi author, comic book enthusiast, Jeffrey Liu. Action How's it going, man? <laughs> it's going well. Thanks, man. <laughs> good, good. For this episode, we will be reviewing the Marvel movie, The Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. The movie is the second installment of the series of misfit characters banded together to take on the various evils of the cosmos. The returning cast includes Chris Pratt as the leader Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket Raccoon, Vin Diesel voicing Baby Groot, WWE fighter David Bautista as Drax the Destroyer, and finally, Zoe Saldana as her character from Star Trek playing the role of Gamora. <laughs> Several other characters from the first film also return, including Michael Rooker as Yondu and Karen Gillan as Nebula. Kurt Russell is introduced as this in this film as Peter Quill's father, Ego. Now, before we begin our discussion, two things to note. Typically, we like to incorporate some kind of source material. However, for the purposes of this episode, we are going to focus on this just as a movie. And secondly, there are several spoilers in this podcast, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, I highly recommend watching it before taking a listen. So, I guess to start out, I mean, Jeff, overall thoughts on the movie? Like it? Love it? Hate it? Oh, man, I, I, I love this movie, and I'm, I'm actually finally glad that we, we, we have a movie that, you know, we don't have to harp on so so uh so badly like we did on iron fist <laughs> and ghost iron the fist goes the shell yeah um yeah yeah but this movie like going in you know i loved guardians one so i i kind of had high expectations for this one and you know i went in and it still was like wow this is they it wasn't the same sort of magic as the first time you know but it they they still were able to do something that I think was really really special and you know you don't really see that in in Marvel films or superhero films that that you see like come on every month now um they have kind of a you know ragtag cast uh and they still are able to smash it together into like a wonderful space opera slash comedy slash romance slash like family movie. I thought it was just like, it hit on all cylinders for me. I thought it was a great film. When you say ragtag cast, do you mean the actual actors or the characters themselves? I mean, you you could say both at this point. I, I would say that the highest listed actor in this movie is probably going to be Diesel. Bra- no, it's Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I'm yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not, man. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is like is is getting high up there now too, you know. And he's got some legit credibility with his Fast and the Furious series. I almost got I almost got through that. I almost got through that. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, like Bradley Cooper is is probably the highest A list name that you'll see on there, and the rest of the people are, you know, they're uh, for as for as much as they're veterans in the industry, they're all up and comers at this point. Chris Pratt, I mean, like, he did a whole bunch of miscellaneous roles before he hit his stride as uh, Andy Dwyer in Parks and Recreation, and now he's just killing it. And uh, as, you know, as Star-Lord, he's he's kind of breaking the cusp of the A-list actors with the whole Jurassic World stuff, but because Jurassic World was also a mediocre movie, you know, that that didn't really do much for him, I don't think. But, you know, 
him as Star Lord and him with this particular cast of like characters, they do it well. They 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 do it their way and they do it do it very very well. And you know, and a lot of that can be attributed to the director James Gunn here. I think he just knows how to use his actors um, and, and place their strengths in this movie. I, I think, and you're right. It is very very refreshing compared to the other Marvel films. And, and granted, Marvel's done it right in the sense that they've been able to work in the kind of humor dc ultimately lacked i mean off the top of my head the recent ones you know ant-man uh was yeah. was hilarious uh, Civil, Civil was really good spider-man was really good yeah yeah, or not yeah i mean spider-man in civil war was really good right right and the only well, the only films that i think kind of lacked that humor were the thor films i actually um, think that the first thor was 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 very very funny you know like he he was kind mm-hmm. of a fish out of it was a fish out of water story you know when he came to uh, when he came to Earth for the first time, or Midgard, whatever, uh, you know, he was he wasn't used to the customs, and he just like was this big boisterous figure. And we got a couple of laughs out of that. I mean, you know, Natalie Portman's mm-hmm. not exactly a laugh riot, but uh, mm-hmm. I think Chris Hemsworth carried himself really well. Anyways, yeah. Well, we can get into that later, but yeah, I think you know, talking about the characters, one of the things that came to my mind when I watched this was how how similar I felt this was to the Fast and the Furious <laughs> characters. Because, I mean... It, it's all the about team, family. <laughs> it's all about family. Yeah, the theme of family comes up again, which I would say in this movie wasn't as ham-fisted as, as it's done in the Fast and Furious franchise. I thought Guardians of the Galaxy did it very, very well. Yeah. But in terms of the characters, I mean, they're they're basically invulnerable, right? I mean, all none of these characters can die. <laughs> You think about the scenes in Spoiler Alert, you know, they're they're taking on some monster space alien from, you know, while, while defending the batteries in the beginning. And then at the end, they are literally fighting off thousands of mini spaceships. And they're, none they're of them have, the like... They're fighting a fucking planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And none of them have really that much superpowers. I mean, you know, Baby Groot, I guess, has some powers, but he doesn't do anything. So in the end, like... They're just humanoids that are flying around and just shooting at you know, little spaceships. But I, I mean, I think that's part of it. I, I actually don't – I didn't go through this movie feeling like, oh, these guys are invulnerable. You know, like there, there's like real – there's real moments in this film where you're like, oh my god, like are they going to – are they going to fucking kill this character at this point? And, and I mean like at the end, you, you get to see – okay, spoiler alert. You know, Yondu, Yondu was one of my favorite – parts of this movie Yondu was the best part of the movie yeah Michael Rooker man like I've liked him in most of the stuff that he's been in but he's been kind of like relegated to these backwater southern characters that have um, a scale of complexity to them and you know you take a you take a little bit of that um, in the Guardians movie as Yondu he's he's kind of like a space pirate essentially but um, man Yondu Yondu like really tugged at my heartstrings and you know, the fact that Yondu dies at the end, I was just like, oh, my God. You know, they could have they could have kept Rooker going on, on this for a long time and nobody would have complained. Yeah. Everybody would have loved yeah. to see him in another movie. Well, going back to the Fast and Furious thing, I mean, it, it's it's the same thing, though. I mean, Fast and Furious ki- uh, kills off characters, too. But do kind they? of in the do they? I'm coming back for nine, man. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, well, I'm just saying for the 
for the brunt of the movie, right? Nobody really dies, and they get into these absurd, like, action sequences where you're just like, I mean, you, you just accept that they're essentially superheroes that can't be killed unless there's, uh, you know, a real reason for it, drive home a theme or to carry the story on, you know, on something else. But otherwise, you know, you basically assume that these characters go into these epic battles without without being touched. I mean, the, the perfect example, which, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I completely accept it, and I think it's hilarious. I just think that when I watch Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, I, I'm just thinking Fast and Furious the whole time, because those dudes are also just superheroes in cars, right? Okay. Like they, I, I mean, I, I see on a broad scope what, what you're saying, but, like, the difference with Guardians of the Galaxy is that they're not, they're not doing this tongue-in-cheek. Like, you watch the Fast and the Furious series, and they're just basically like, yeah, I'm going to make this car jump over this mountain. And then everybody's like, yeah, yeah, go fucking do that, Vin. Do you. You know? <laughs> but, like, in Guardians, they're, they're very fallible. You know? And, and, and here's the other thing. The Fast and the Furious movies, they know that they're pumping it through with this, like, you know, either CGI or practical, practical effects, whatever. But it's a... It's a um, special effects marathon with with most fast movies. You know, like you you go there, shit's exploding everywhere, and you you want to see the cars doing this sort of stuff. And you know, basically the the humans that are in the Fast and Furious series, they're they're just there for commentary. You know, they're they're, they're just there to quit one liners like I'm gonna punch this torpedo, and then everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, punch that fucking torpedo. And I think I think Guardians did a good thing here. I think Guardians. Um, understands that the focus is on the character development. And I think that's the biggest difference between the Guardians and the Fast series. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. if you look at the first action sequence in this entire thing, like 70, 80, 80% of the action is just, you know, following baby Groot as he right, walks around and all this chaos is going around mm -hmm. on him. And honestly, I don't care that I don't see, you know, like the majority of the fight with, with all the re rest of the team members fighting the alien. Cause man, baby Groot is fucking hilarious, man. Like yeah. I was really scared. I was really scared that they would take baby Groot in like that sort of Ewok, like Jar Jar Binks uh, <laughs> direction. I know I was really scared. I was just like, fuck, don't, don't mess up the franchise. Don't ruin the bar, man. You know? Yeah. And then they, I, yeah. think they, I think they did Groot really, really well. And that, and that's the thing. Like, you don't see that type of character development in Fast Eight, you know, like you or, or any of the Fast movies. You, what, what is character development in, in any of the Fast and Furious movies? It, there isn't such thing. You're it's right. A, it's, it's a Corona and family. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Baby Groot, um, which once again was voiced by Vin Diesel. You, you're right that that was one of those things that could have gone really badly. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the cutesy animal sort of yeah. thing that cashes in on the fact that they're cute on merchandising yeah right right and, and baby Groot, you know was had his scenes you know i think the opening scene was great and then the scene where he's going into the drawer to take uh to grab yondu's prototype uh yeah that thing was also hilarious yeah. I, and one thing i love is that they're going away from baby Groot instantly right they're not yeah. like the next one he's going to be a teenager yeah. so you know it's going to be great <laughs> yeah which is going to be awesome i think that if they kept baby group for another movie it could have gotten bad really fast right I, I i feel the exact same way if they had kept him the way that it was guardians would have mm -hmm. jumped jumped the shark and you yeah. know that's that's like really a great decision by the producers and the director in this movie to take it in a, in a different direction 
Yeah. I, I, I had to, when I was watching Baby Groot, I had to ask the question. Um, with Vin Diesel voicing Baby Groot, do you think he was... Uh, Baby Groot? Like, <laughs> Baby Groot. <laughs> I think he probably used his real voice. But do you think he was also linked up to motion capture? Oh, because Baby Groot, <laughs> Baby Groot kind of runs like Vin Diesel also. <laughs> He just kind of, like, lumbers around, like, I forget which podcast we're talking about. I would love to know the answer to that question, because um, the only behind-the-scenes footage I've seen of this movie is Bradley Cooper doing uh, Rocket. And Bradley right. Cooper, I mean, man, he gets really, like, you know what? I give Bradley Cooper short shrift for the rest of the shit that he's done. You know, I don't love um, some of the movies that Bradley Cooper done. The, the, the Midnight my, Meat Train? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it, he... He he makes interesting uh, casting choices for himself, you know. I right. think I think my favorite Bradley Cooper movie to date is probably Limitless. I think he did a pretty good job mm. in that in, John, we, in, in yeah. that film, and I think that he was pretty good in you know the Hangover series too. But like he stayed on with that franchise, and the franchise itself stayed on too long. But man, yeah. Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon is just like he's compelling on 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 a lot of different levels. I, I think that like. You know, I really think that he should consider um, continuing to do animated uh, characters or CGI characters or, or some sort of voiceover work because he's really got a knack for it. Like, um, if you watch the behind the scenes footage of him voicing Rocket um, and then look up uh, how Mark Hamill uh, does the Joker mm-hmm. for Batman the Animated Series, it's very, very similar. They're very, very mm-hmm. much method actors that get into their character and yeah. they're not really pulling any punches. This, this is not like a lazy. Uh, voiceover like oh you know we're just gonna get a celebrity voice because yeah, yeah let's get seth rogan to voice this because everybody's gonna oh, know God. it's seth rogan now. seth rogan yeah. the fucking hot dog or whatever I, I i don't know i'm just i'm just saying like bradley cooper bradley cooper does like a phenomenal job as rocket yeah i agree about bradley cooper's uh rocket raccoon voiceover i thought he was very very talented i, I do want to get into the the topic of comedy on this movie because i, I think this is where you and i might disagree I did. I did like the themes with you know Baby Groot uh, in the beginning. You know how the camera's kind of focused on him and all the chaos is in the background. Similarly, where uh, Rocket Raccoon and Baby Groot are kind of setting up that bomb, and they you know they ask about the Scotch tape or, or they ask about the tape, and then you know all this you know all this epic battles going on outside, and you know Rocket right. Raccoon and Baby Groot are chilling, and then you, you hear Chris Pratt you know kind of going around in the background asking if people have tape. Um, <laughs> I did want one of the focuses I wanted to get into was Drax. I, I think that, and going back to the Fast and Furious um, analogy, um, Drax was basically the Tyrese of of this group, where you take a guy who's not very talented, but you give him the best lines to deliver, and and Tyrese in the Fast and Furious series kills it. The problem I have with Drax is that they gave him way too many lines. And he and his humor is just so one dimensional that it got old fast. What do you think? <laughs> I I disagree. I mean, mm. like, I, I think I haven't seen Dave Bautista in any of his other films, but I I I disagree. I mean, I think Drax was great. I um I think it skirted the line of being a little bit too much. Like um mm-hmm. when he's talking about when he's putting on the spacesuit. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very end, and it it comes full circle to like, oh my nipples, my nipples. yeah, 
Yeah. I think that was the one thing where I was just like, okay, it's time to close the book because you've reached the end. You know, like that, that was the last real joke that Drax makes. But, you know, I, I'm very impressed with Dave Bautista and I actually think that he, he's kind of the heart of this film, really. Like, I, I don't really think he's Tyrese, um, in, like, by, by comparison because Drax is like, Drax just speaks from the heart every single time. And right. like, and the humor isn't necessarily derived from the fact that like he's incapable of understanding metaphors. It's his timing. His timing is, is just great in this movie. <laughs> like right. when, whenever he talks to Mantis, I die because at the very end too, I was like, Oh, you know, like Drax is growing. Like the li- the line is, you are beautiful too. On the inside, like oh, like right before he said on the inside, I was like, oh, did Jax grow up? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) And then you you stick back and you and and you think about it, and it's like, yeah, you know what? He did grow up a little bit. Like they are developing the character a little bit because in the first movie, he was like a he was basically a berserker brute. You know, he went through everything, and then he had that that same sort of like you know lines but now he's he's developing he's emoting in like in ways that are not just rage you know when when matt when he and mantis and and star lord are together inside um uh ego's spaceship Spaceship. Mm -hmm. and and mantis is just like you know feeling everybody's emotions like there i i was i was like closing my eyes laughing because i thought dave bautista was just perfect there See, I, like, that, the, I, that, I, I don't think so i i think hit like half of his lines are just him laughing really loud ha, 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 ha. like and it's like okay dude like i get it <laughs> like I, I get what they're trying to do like I, I i get i get his appeal and i'm not knocking him as an actor because i thought he was i thought he was pretty good i just think they overdid it uh, some of the scenes were a little too drawn out him and mantis you know that is it's kind of the will they, won't they. One of my other problems is that I think it took away from Chris Pratt. I honestly okay. don't think Chris Pratt had many good lines. They, they didn't utilize his clueless Andy Dwyer, like, you know, Chris Pratt that we know. It, I feel like he was just there. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I don't think that it was Drax that that caused that. Uh, I mean, honestly, Star Lord and Gamora, those two, this movie at least, they both took a backseat. Mm-hmm. Um, like because I, I mean, and honestly, if there, if there was one actor that overshadowed Chris Pratt, it was fucking Kurt Russell, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kurt, Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell was the was a narrator that was basically the narrator of this entire movie, yeah. but it was, he was a false narrator at the very end. And that's what makes it so like, Oh shit. You know, like we've just been listening to the villain story the entire fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's why, uh, I think that's why Chris, Chris Pratt, um, his performance was so overshadowed. And, you know, I, I was kind of disappointed too, because I thought Chris Pratt was great in the first movie. Like he yeah. really shown through, yeah. he really showed his leadership qualities, but he, you know, here I don't think that anything really uh, was deprived on him. I just think that um, because this is a series and because like they're they're ramping up for Avengers: Infinity War, that they needed a vehicle to kind of push the story forward. And and Chris and Chris Pratt uh, kind of took the brunt as like the as the laboring uh, 
the the laboring character in this film. And uh, but on the same note, like Gamora, Gamora in the first film, there I mean, she was a little bit interesting uh as like a daughter of Thanos and everything like that. I wish that they would give Gamora more lines because I think that uh I think she's right now the most underdeveloped character. Yeah. Um and it's difficult with such an ensemble cast like that, but I mean, here again, like it, it, th- this time it's not because they didn't try and add in aspects of Gamora's character, but just like Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana was just overshadowed by Nebula. I mean, Nebu- Nebula's character yeah. is not particularly complex, but like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, that, that, that's kind of an unfair statement too, but like ne- Nebula's a great character. I like her. I like her kind of being this like manic, depressive, like oscillating mm-hmm. A force that just like kind of pushes through the movie, you know, like, and you, you never really know where she's going to land. You don't know what her motivation is. And you mm-hmm. kind of get to tease that out through this movie. So for both Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana, they just kind of got like short shrift in this movie because their, their like companions throughout this movie just gave such great performances and were given such great stories. Yeah. And I, I think, Kind of going back to the the whole taking a backseat to their to their family counterparts. I, I think the fact that they got suckered into these kind of mini storylines of them like dealing with their families just gave them a, a less of a freedom to have these you know kind of witty quips uh, when they're you know, discovering something about themselves or dealing with their family. Um, I'm, I'm going to touch on this real quick and then move on. But I, I thought that uh, monologue about about her being like, you know, kind of torn piece by piece and replaced with uh, robotic parts. I think that was, Oh um, yeah. That was a good scene. And yeah, honestly, Zoe, Zoe Zaldana is kind of more re in this movie. She's more reacting to like realizing that she, she was like a shitty sister. I want to go back to Kurt Russell's ego because I think (laughs) he was fantastic. Great actor. I love, I love Kurt Russell. You know, I I actually just watched escape from New York uh, yesterday. (laughs) Fantastic film. I I recommend everybody watch it, Uh, especially if you were a fan of the Warriors. I think it's actually kind of similar to that, but Kurt Russell as ego was fantastic. Except for probably the worst villain reveal of all time. (laughs) Or he's like, he basically in spoiler alert, you know, Ego, uh, Kurt Russell is Peter Quill's father, but you realize that he was also the one that killed Peter Quill's mother. He blatantly says that, oh, you know, because I fell in love with your mother, I had to kill her with a brain tumor. And then because of that, Peter Quill, like, loses his shit and decides that he wants to, you know, cut off all connection he has with his father that he just found. And I mean, it's very Greek. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're right, but it, it's very, it's very, very Oedipus here. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad villain reveal. I think it's as eight. I, I mean, like it's as eighties as you can get. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this whole movie. I, and I want to, I want to touch on this really quickly as we go into the ego discussion. This whole movie was a was just a nostalgic trip down my childhood, really, because. All the music, I mean, that was the music that I grew up with. And then you have all, all the heroes that I really grew up with. Like, honestly, Peter Quill, when he, when he talks about his childhood and because that's the only, that's the only aspect of like earth that he really understands. I sit there and I'm just like, you know what? 
I felt the same way about David Hasselhoff because that was one cool motherfucker in that life, man. <laughs> and then honestly, like seeing seeing Kurt Russell, seeing Sylvester Stallone, um, and 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 uh, David Hasselhoff all make like appearances in this, like that that really like kind of threw me back, you know, when movies were just kind of simpler. Honestly, like if you go back and you watch the movies of your childhood, you'll go through it and really the the, the main thing that's going to be pushing you through some of the like plot inconsistencies is the fact that you have these like charismatic actors kind of going through. You know, like Predator didn't have a great like didn't have a great premise. Judge Dredd didn't have a great premise. Escape from LA, Snake, like all the all those Snake other things. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like you, 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 may, you, you give a lot of like slack to these actors because of the type of charisma and and uh, like like presence that they command when they come onto the screen. And Kurt Russell is no different. Um, like he comes on and he's just basically like, "Yeah, uh, I was sowing my oats, and now it's time to fucking reap them." And then you're like, "Okay, I I can accept this." Yeah, but not, but. My problem with the story is that he, yeah, my, my problem, the story though, is that if he really needed Chris Pratt's hell or Peter Quill's help, you wouldn't be like, Oh, BD dubs, like I killed your mom, but you know, whatever. But he's a celestial. No, 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 no. This is a comment. Okay. You know what? I don't want to get too political into this, but like, this is a comment on like how fucking out of touch some of these like celestial motherfuckers are. All right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, dude, he doesn't fucking care. He made it with like, you know, 300, uh, 300 alien bitches. And like, (laughs) (laughs) by the way, the the moving dioramas of him, like, man, (laughs) Like, I wish I had that equipment for high school. I would have like fucking like killed it, dude. I wish it <laughs> that, that diorama sequence was so silly. Where it, where he when he shows him like mating with all the other types of alien species, oh, and of course like it does, this doesn't make any sense. But he's in human form, you know. And you joked about this looking like Michael Jackson from Thriller, like. <laughs> Yes. In the same fucking outfit in every single universe or in oh every God. single galaxy world imagine. that he like he bangs some kind of alien species, he's always wearing the same thing. It is it is just and I, I laughed hard. Yeah, oh my god, that was so, so good. If if you if you haven't ca- caught the uh, Futurama episode um where Leela finds her home world, it's it's like very much along those lines. I I, I I laughed my ass off for like a full minute when I saw that diorama. <laughs> yeah, and it's not. But see, that's the thing. It wasn't supposed to be funny, right? It like, like I, I, you know what? I think it was intended to be funny because really? it was like, like, like the way that he did it. It was like, hey, look, here's your mom. Here's all the other ones that I got. <laughs> <laughs> like it was. It was like. It's like. Peter, I mean, you should. It was like a bro, like the, like ego. The Living Planet was trying to have a bro moment with his son. It's like look at, look at with all these hot chicks that I hit it with, you know? Yeah, tentacle face girl. Mm. Mm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I I I thought it was intended to be funny. Otherwise, they would have done it one at a time and been like a lot of different species all across the world and have Kurt Russell do that. But like Kurt, just the fact that they use Kurt Russell in this film is designed to get a laugh factor out of it. Because Kurt Russell doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah. Kurt Russell is in the fast series. I mean, like, oh, yeah. he... <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah, and that was, and kind of going back to the thing about comedy, um, 
I thought that there were some scenes where I wasn't sure if it was meant to be funny. I I watched the, the- I watched the movie uh, at matinee show, so the theater wasn't that crowded. But there were certain scenes that I was laughing really hard that I thought were meant to be funny, but nobody else was. So, like, there's the other scene that I can think of was. Um, the uh, the football throwing, the ball throwing scene <laughs> where and to those who haven't seen this um, basically you know Peter meets Ego he ends up on Ego's planet and on this planet he can basically form objects out of pure energy so the first thing that Chris Pratt and Peter Quill forms is like a ball and then him and Kurt Russell play catch and I thought it was hilarious I thought it was like it was supposed to be like kind of a uh, like, haha, like, you know, this is uh this is how it's done in the movies, but because they're in outer space, this is how they're supposed to do it. But I, I, I think it went beyond that. I mean, it felt like a Cialis commercial to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like honestly, like when there's stock images of like a, a dude and his son playing balls, like, do you feel like less of a man? Cialis can help. Like, <laughs> like I thought it was done perfectly like with an idyllic sort of like background behind it and they're mm. all kind of laughing like ha-ha. and then <laughs> kurt russell goes ha-ha. and then peter goes like, ah! like, I thought yeah. it was, it was like chris Pratt's facial expressions right it was like, yeah. and, and that's the thing i was the only one in the theater laughing so i, I don't know if maybe they they failed to deliver like kind of deliver it in a, in a way that was showing like people like, Oh, this is meant to be funny because there was the other scene where the, the sovereigns people were, were flying the spaceships. And then when they, when they finally show the people who are operating the spaceships, it looks like a fucking arcade. Oh yeah. It's great. Yeah. And the sound effects <laughs> sound like, you know, and I died, but I was the only one in the theater that laughed. And, and I think like, it definitely was meant to be funny because later there's that scene where there's that one last guy and everybody's crowding around him and cheering. And then you he's suck, like, Jared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like total like eighties, like arcade sort of like feel <laughs> like, and at that point, you know, other people in the theater laugh, but I, I just thought that, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe I was watching the movie with, with dumb people, but when you saw it in theaters, did, did people laugh at those scenes or were oh, you yeah, everyone people else? People laughed. Oh, okay. and, and I mean, part, part of it was that we were, we had a larger crowd. We probably were at like 70% capacity yeah. uh, when I, when I watched it. Um, yeah, but I mean like, you know what? Fuck people. Like, yeah. <laughs> like well, people, I, I, people are scared to like laugh at movies because they're just like, they, they don't want to be like the weird guy that starts to laugh. Yeah. Oh, fuck them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm one of those guys now that enjoys laughing at, you know, laughing out loud and, Clapping my hands and good, know, good for you, man. Being told to shut up by uh, <laughs> angry white people. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I want to wrap this up with one more thing. Um, the whole concept of the cosmic universe. Uh, you know, they've talked about kind of phase three and moving on uh, with the Marvel universe. There's going to be a lot more movies in in the cosmos, which makes sense because you know Thanos is from the cosmos. Um, you know, Adam Warlock. Nice catch, by the way, Adam Warlock. I, I didn't I didn't get that. Uh, oh, no, I, I had to look that up, too. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they were saying, like, face, you know, to tie Thanos in, you do have to go out to the cosmos. Uh, Adam Warlock's story kind of ties in with Galactus and Silver Surfer. So we'll probably, probably be bringing those people back as well. Um, what do you think about the Marvel Universe kind of focusing on the cosmos? I, I think it's going to be very... 
interesting to see what Marvel does with the other studios that have rights to um, the various characters uh, moving forward. Um, so I was actually reading up on some stuff for Kevin Feige, who's like um, the uh, president of Marvel Studios. And he went on record saying that even though there's not a deal in place, he really wants to get something going where the characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe can, you know, interact with the X-Men that can interact with Fantastic Four. Did nobody want to see another Fantastic Four movie, right? No, see, see, that's the thing. Like, I think that. Fantastic Four was the same way as the Spider-Man. You know, it would just handled poorly for a long, long time. And, you know, to meet the rights requirements, they had to put out a crappy movie every, you know, every couple of years or so. But, I mean, Spider-Man was completely reinvented into something that everybody wants to see now. Like, I'm super excited for Spider-Man Homecoming. I, you know, I, I think... My, we can agree Fantastic Four was just a shitty movie. The first, yeah. the first generation, the second generation. And I, I think there was like one from like the early nineties that, uh, if you watch Arrested <laughs> Development season yeah. four, they actually talk about it or yeah. make reference to it. But I actually thought Spider-Man, uh, was okay. I don't see it being that much better. Uh, I think the only thing that they can really cash in on is the fact that you're tying in Tony Stark and the rest of the already you know, established I, Marvel I, I, Universe. I, I, I really, really disagree on that. Cause when the original Spider-Man came out with Tobey Maguire, I was like, no, no, yeah, Tobey wasn't good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Andrew Garfield actually. Yeah, no, Andrew even Garfield with Andrew focused. Garfield, because like when, when you look at Andrew Garfield, he is already like a fully developed character at that point. You know, right. it, um, the, the whole concept of Spider-Man is that you have an adult, a kid, you know, he's really, really a kid. Right. And it, and the, the guy that they have playing Spider-Man, uh, right now, what's his name? He's, uh, he's Tom, like uh, Holland. He was yeah, Tom Holland. He was in the only. He was in the Impossible, which was like I think nominated for some awards. Uh, and he was really good. It was uh, yeah. and and he's good as he was good as Spider Man in this movie. But like I think you finally get to that like place of innocence. You know, Spider Man yeah. was always like kind of the moral compass, more more so even than Captain America mm-hmm. um, at some points, because Captain America was very, very much like he had an agenda um, at some points and he decided he wanted to follow it. Spider Man is the moral compass of the Marvel Universe. And like to have him finally integrated into the cinematic universe, it's it's very, very. Uh, I, I think I think it's a great move for them because mm-hmm. spider-man is is like an iconic figure here mm-hmm. well um, we'll have a chance to review you know spider-man in the future but i, I do want right. to tie this back into the cosmic universe so you right. were saying and, that sorry so i mean like I, I i think that like they really did do a, a great deal of setup and they have a lot of ambition for the greater universe and i'm excited if they can pull it off like to the maximum potential if you watch throughout the movie you get actually to see a um a glimpse of uatu the watcher uh with uh stan lee yeah and that's like that's that's that was that blew me away honestly because like Uatu showed up, I think, one at one point when he was speaking with Thanos. But the fact that they're concentrating on him now kind of makes me feel like, yes, there's going to be like some sort of cosmic convergence event in the Marvel Universe that goes beyond Infinity Gauntlet. Like, 
What if they decide to do Onslaught? You know, uh, I, I think that would be just absolutely incredible. If you folded fucking, uh, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy into, um, into, into this fold and you get like some strong actors to follow them, I think you could have the potential for like a, a like record shattering, like genre shattering film here. And, I'm, I'm ultra excited about that. And like, frankly speaking, we've gone beyond the realm of earth. You know, like I, I always want to see a new Iron Man or a Captain America movie. And I think I always will, but I'm super excited about like Thor too, because you're, 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 you're going further. You know, you're seeing, you know, how far this thing can go. And, you know, Peter Quill basically acts as like a vehicle for this because he's a celestial. You're exploring something that's like much, much greater than earth just now. Earth is kind of like, an afterthought at this point. And I, I think that's great because the Marvel universe, like the, the space that it exists in, um, it has almost unlimited potential and you can do a lot of different things with it. If they decide to, to take it the right way, you know, and you can develop a lot of new talent from it. If you decide to go the right way. I mean, like, you, you know, like Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Like this is, this is where they made their stand as like, phenomenal actors and mm-hmm. you i mean chris evans was not doing a whole bunch of great stuff beforehand and like hey, this don't was you hate on not another team movie all right no no no, no. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying that at all i'm just saying that chris evans this was his jumping off point robert downey jr this was his redemption this was yeah. his redemption streak you know every like there's a lot of people there are a lot of players that are involved in here that like will require a good deal of creative casting moving forward and 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 that makes me excited because like you you get to you might get to see a lot of like characters that are a little bit more obscure like really take flight in in what marvel has planned in the future because they are giving that opportunity to like develop kind of oddball not exactly mainstream sort of stuff so i'm very excited i i I think that they they did a good job of setting it up in this movie and i i think that they like if they can really pull off the um the deals with Fox that are necessary to um, pull in the tertiary characters like the Fantastic Four and the X-Men that you have huge potential here. You have just enormous potential to like to do unlimited movies moving forward. Right. Right. Yeah. I I think, but like you said, if they are able to knock it out of the ballpark, it would be, it'd be awesome. It'd be, you know, kind of uh, say, dare I say, culture changing, media changing. I mean, it'll basically lay out the platform for how every other universe, you know, DC or, you know, even any other kind of TV show, like, you know, they, they can always build off of like, okay, you know, branch things out and join them all back together and then take it to the stars, you know, that sort of thing. My only concern is that when you bring in the cosmos, uh, there's just so many races uh, or yeah, alien races and so many characters that you're never going to be able to develop on, which, you know, I, I think so far they've done okay with where you don't really need to know, like, okay, where does Yondu from? Why is he blue? Like, and, and <laughs> like, may, maybe not everybody asks that question, but it's like, you know, uh, as we go on into like, okay, Thor Ragnarok, right? That's going to tie yeah. into World War Hulk. Yeah. Are you going to have the time to develop that world that, you know, Hulk becomes attached to 
Or is it just going to be like a 10 minute thing that just says, okay, Hulk, Hulk loves this world, fell in love, became the ruler, and then got bone shreds. And then now, like, oh, we got to bring it all back to Earth for, you know, World War Hulk, which mm-hmm. would be awesome. But I just think that when you try to explore the cosmos too much, you might not have, you know, the opportunities to develop these, you know, various areas. And, and I, think, I think you can absolutely fall into that pitfall. But. I mean that's that's kind of where I have faith in the Marvel executives. Yeah, they, they haven't disappointed yet. So yeah, and they have a vision. I feel mm-hmm. they have like a vision that they've really pushed towards for a long period of time. You know, and and I mean you you got to remember that the Marvel universe has already suffered several like character losses at at this point. You know, and the the most the most prolific of is fucking Terrence Howard. You know, Terrence Howard was in the first Iron Man movie. Oh, like yeah. it was. It, and he was supposed to be War Machine, and everybody got behind him, you know, yeah. as War Machine. And it's been eight years now, and, you know, I almost forgot that Don Cheadle wasn't always War Machine. I almost forgot that Mark Ruffalo wasn't always the Hulk. It was yeah. Edward Morton, you know? Well, I also Eric Bana. Ex- well, I mean, but Eric Bana was before the cinematic universe came across. Yeah, but, that's true. like, yeah. I don't think that if Marvel encounters a stumbling block that it's going to end this. I think that there's... A, there's too much money involved for Marvel for them to put out a shitty product mm-hmm. moving forward. Like, all of the shit is combined. Like, yeah. everything... Like, you know what? I collect pop figures, the Funko pop figures. Yeah. And up until this movie, I wasn't going to go out and buy all the Guardians of the Galaxies ones. And now I'm just like, fuck, I gotta have them. Yeah. I gotta have them, man. Gotta I gotta spend that money. You know? And and I think Marvel understands that, you know? And and he they know how much drawing power these movies has have and like they they really look i mean like the the best thing that they can do is look at the dc cinematic universe and see how like and not do what dc is doing basically. exactly just see don't do that just, just don't, don't let, do that don't let Zack snyder look at anything yeah and, and don't don't fucking let warner brothers as a studio you know um like a whole bunch of like nobody studio executives make make the decisions for you you know like I, I I think I think Marvel Marvel will like the fact that Marvel cares about its property so much is the reason why it's going to succeed. Right. Well, a lot of good stuff uh, for all you listeners out there. If you get a chance, definitely watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. We both highly recommend it. Yes. And uh, until next time, thanks to all you listeners. Jeff, always a pleasure. Thanks, Emil. Take care. <laughs>